Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions of all things football. Justin, a bit of a interesting episode this week because there were some, you know, occurrences in England which, you know, kind of shaped the football landscape a bit. Of course, the Queen of England, Elizabeth II, passed away on Friday yeah. um, as we were traveling back from Paris, yeah. right? And then pretty imminently, the the fixtures for game week seven in the Premier League were postponed, despite the fact that Buckingham Palace told the FA in the Premier League that they didn't have to do that, right? Right. Um, and, and so that was just kind of a jolt to our system, right? We were supposed to go to City versus Spurs and we're unable to do that, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can explain it to us in the comments because we're obviously Americans. We don't necessarily understand the impact of the queen dying. I've been told, compare it to a natural disaster, a major pandemic event, something like that. Um, but I don't know why I would compare it to that when cricket continued, rugby continued, horse racing continued, everybody still went to work. Uh, I, I don't really understand that. If, if it had been like a united front on like actually everything right. stopping, then like, okay, fair enough. But the fact that nothing else stopped right. except for football doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. And then all the Champions League games, right, went along. All the Euro Europa League, except for Arsenal PSV got postponed. Why? Because it's in London. And we know that there's going to be a lot of police that are going to be used in London. We understand that. But then Arsenal are still going to play Brentford at the weekend. And Spurs are playing Leicester in London. As in well. London. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I mean, Spurs at least didn't get postponed, but the Arsenal PSV game gets postponed, whereas the Brentford Arsenal game, both in London, don't get. It's just, there's no consistency. And that's what I don't really understand. Um, we know that obviously there are three games that will not happen this weekend. Uh, Brighton and Crystal Palace, which is actually unrelated to the Queen right, dying. It was already postponed. Right. Uh, Manchester United versus Leeds and Chelsea versus Liverpool. Obviously, Chelsea-Liverpool, huge game in London, understandable. Um, probably would have been our game of the week if, yeah. it, if it wasn't postponed. Manchester United, Leeds, huge derby. Granted, it's not in Liverpool, but it is a derby. Needs a lot of police. Understandable. Um, it's, but, but Brentford continuing to play the day before the funeral in London, where while, while Arsenal's uh, Europa League match got postponed, and not only did it get postponed, but now there's there's no way there's no way that they can play. No, there's no Ar time Arsenal for them. Have to forfeit the game, most likely, right? That which, would be which unbelievable would if be that crazy. happened. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you would expect the Arsenal PSV game to go on, and then the Brentford game to get postponed. I would, and it's the opposite for no apparent reason. But with that being said, Justin, the games that we had before that, we did have Champions. Of course, of course we're from the Champions League, and our game of the week was, of course. PSG against Juve. We were in attendance at the Parc des Princes. Um, incredible atmosphere, an unbelievable experience, and a great game as well. Yeah, no, it was, especially in that first half, really. Yeah. The second half wasn't as good. Um, besides, of course, we got Weston McKinney. We watched him score a goal live in person, the American. Uh, that was In the Champions League. In, no in the Champions right. League against PSG. Uh, he then did his wand celebration. Messi looked mad confused. <laughs> he didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah, there, there's an iconic picture of that. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. Um, but yeah, he that was great. But it was the Mbappe show, right? Two yeah. goals in the first half. Both of them on the volley. Both of them just pure class. That pure. Neymar pass on the first one, though, was just ridiculous. I know. And then Messi did like in, in the league. Uh, Messi gave the same pass to Neymar. Yeah, for the yeah, goal. yeah. 
they, they keep doing it where they just flick it over the top of the back line and volley it in basically um yeah pure class the psg supporters i know we were both impressed by the psg ultras uh, they started well before the game half an hour plus before the game went well beyond the yeah. final whistle um and were non-stop singing yeah um and, and you say the mbappe show obviously those first those first two goals were clinical but like kind of the reason the second half was maybe a little bit more disappointing is that he didn't take his chances in the second half, right? Yeah. There was one where he was put through on goal by Messi after a brilliant run. He puts it into the outside netting when he could have tapped it across to Neymar for a tap in. There was another one that he scuffed. Like PSG probably should have won this game by by more than a goal. Um, but Juve did significantly improve their performance in the second half, right? Well, because they actually had a quality midfielder. That <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's a little bit harsh on, on Paredes. I thought Paredes was all right, but Rabiot's just... What was not. harsh was Paredes getting booed That's true. after what, leaving what, he, the club like, like a week ago. Yeah, he literally just left. Oh, man. Yeah, that was that was an interesting R- yeah, one. Yeah, Rabiot's one thing, but Paredes to get booed is like, I don't understand it. No, but still, you look at Juve's 11, like top to bottom. And, no, it's like, not even can, close. You can see how far they've fallen well, from, t- from what they used to be. Yeah, 2-1 is actually not a bad no, result for them. No, it's not a you, you, you I mean, it, it is a bad result in the fact that they... What did you say? You said 5-1, I Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought they were going to get absolutely battered. Um, and and they, it looks like it after 20 minutes. And they to totally fair. could have if they took yeah. if PSG took chances better. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's a bad result in that they they need a point. Like losses don't do anything in the Champions League. Um, but at least it can maybe give them confidence that one of the best teams in the world they're not getting battered by. Yeah, I also think Galtier will look at it and, and learn some things because I yeah. I think you know it's not like Juve have a ton of attacking. You know, star power up there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure, Vlavic is a great striker, but Milik next Milik. one, Kostic, yeah. Quadrado. But PSG did look vulnerable. Like, they gave up chances, right? And <laughs> there was that that header in the first half. Donnarumma had a couple big saves. Oh, yeah, he did. So, you know, as much as we say, oh, PSG could have battered them, at the same time, Juve could have gotten something out of this game. Because, you know, it, it was somewhat even when we look at the final stats, right? 13 shots to five, six on target to four. Right, both in favor of PSG, but but marginally. Well, yeah, so. it's it's those shots that are yeah large large difference in shots, but they couldn't put them on target is the issue, right? Um, but yeah, well, I, fifteen to thirteen. Is, oh, I thought you said thirteen to five. My no, no, no. Uh, so so PSG had fifteen shots, six on target. Oh, okay. Juve thirteen, four on target. Yeah, gotcha. I said that in, in a got you, got you. It was actually relatively close. More importantly, you mentioned Milik, so I just have to say that was chaos in the Serie A where he scored a last minute goal took his shirt off when he was right, already on right, a yellow right. card got booked got sent off and then VAR the took VAR, away the goal oh, and, and and the goal was completely incorrectly disallowed yeah. which they now admitted because because they did the lines and like oh he's offside they completely ignored that the fullback was over here out of frame yeah, keeping yeah, him yeah. onside like he was oh, he was so man. far onside it wasn't even close if you want our thoughts on VAR though go back to the last episode yeah, we, true. we, we talked about talk it there about, I, what, I mean but that's just like again that has nothing to do with the technology that's just in, that's just crap referees being crap. How do you miss that? How do you not realize, oh, wait, there's a guy right here. He's way on. Anyway. It ain't just the Premier League, apparently. No, but uh, Justin, there were some other very big results in the Champions League yep. last week. Um, and we can talk first about Chelsea losing 1-0 to Zagreb. <laughs> Bonnie Yang dropping a stinker on debut. Oh, and then... What was it? Maybe twenty four hours later, less, less than less than less than. It moves. And Thomas Tuchel gets sacked by Todd Bowley, uh, and wow, just I mean, we we were both saying it kind of should happen. I definitely didn't expect it to be this early. No. I think most of the football world was kind of shocked by yep. this occurrence. 
Um, and then obviously we know who his replacement is. But first, let's talk about Tuchel getting sacked because yeah. a lot of people have said it's a, it's a wrong decision. Yeah. But I don't know if we necessarily agree with that. No, I don't think either of us agree with that. And I think we're both very strong in this stance that Tuchel has not been great for Chelsea. He won the Champions League. We get that. He's a great tournament manager. But in the league, his style of play is not only boring and not fun to watch, but it doesn't produce the wins that are needed to be the manager of Chelsea Football Club. And... I see a lot of Chelsea fans, the majority of Chelsea fans, extremely upset with this decision, but it is the correct one. And the reason it is the correct one is because of the replacement, Garrett, because Graham Potter is the guy who came in. And it is not about, for, for those who think, oh, Tuchel got sacked because of the Zagreb loss, that had nothing to do with it. That just is why he got sacked then. But... He was going out the door. Todd Bowley had decided that yeah. well before. Todd Bowley and all of his uh, front office, all of everybody who works for him, did a thorough uh, investigation, whatever you want to call it, into Chelsea and learned what they want, what they don't like. That's why Granovskaya left. That's why Petr Cech left. They didn't want either of them part of the club right. anymore. Whether you agree with those, I don't know. I've always been a fan of Granovskaya. I thought she was really good. Yeah. Um, but regardless... Graham Potter was the guy. And so for those who say Todd Bowley doesn't know football, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's a dumb American, that is just simply false. He knew exactly what he's doing. What he is doing is bringing in a manager who has a very attractive style of football, who has a very good record in the Premier League in overperforming what he should be doing. Uh, the st all, every stat you have backs that up. Graham Potter is a fantastic manager. The only question for me is, Garrett, can he, we know he can overperform with a not good squad. Can he overperform with a great squad? I mean, I, I agree with mainly of what everything you've just said. The one thing I would say is the timing makes no sense to me. Why? Because why would you spend $250 million in the market backing a manager who you're going to sack a week later? Oh, because he, that Tuchel wasn't part of those decisions. It was Todd Bowley was wanted to sign Sterling. Todd Bowley wanted to sign uh, Ronaldo, which didn't happen. But everybody says that. I don't know. I that that's true. Like I'm like we we know that that Bowley was really pushing for Ronaldo, and Tuchel got pissed off that he even had to explain which doesn't why that make sense be a because dynamic for Chelsea. Tuchel is the one manager, maybe in the world who has always said, I don't want to be involved in the transfer market. I don't care as much. I don't need to have a say. I just give me the players and then I can focus on coaching. I don't understand that. But yeah, that's so, like, I agree. It doesn't that doesn't make any sense. How, yeah. how, no one's going to know what the team needs more than the manager. Right. Or at least they should. If you're not, right. then what Then what are you there for, Thomas Tuchel? But I but, think it's very clear by spending a ridiculous amount of money, as we talked about before on Kukurea, he knew Potter was coming in. This has always been the plan. Mm. This has always been the plan. Since since the beginning of the season, he has wanted Potter. Now, I think maybe he didn't think he could get, get Potter at the beginning of the season. So he said, okay, we'll give Tuchel a season. We'll get him Potter next season. Uh, it works. It has worked out well, in my opinion, for Todd Bowley. I think this is exactly what Bowley wants. And I think it will work out for Chelsea. I think it will work out in the long term. I think Bull, I, you know, people are saying, oh, he, he's doing what Roman would have done or whatever. No, he's but, not. But I, I, but I also think that it, I think Graham Potter will be given a lot of time. Yeah, I that's, think this is, this is a long-term appointment. Yeah, it's very not much a, so. Like, they might suffer a bit in, in this season's results. I don't particularly see them, like, winning trophies this year or anything, but I think in the long term it's going to work out for Chelsea because yeah. Graham Potter is a visionary manager, and if you're looking at a long-term project, 
there's not really anyone else I'd really want to have at the moment no, as, I think a, as a long-term project manager. It's a great point that you make. I think we might see a Graham Potter kind of uh, adjust to Tuchel's tactics this season, and then next season we see his tactics solely because you know they do both play with wing backs, and so he can adjust a little bit because that's obviously what the Chelsea players know and have been training for this entire preseason. Um, but I think exactly what you said. And and I think I tweeted something to that effect that oh well we know now Bully's doing exactly what Abramovich does that is not the case I was wrong when I said that because it's not that Abramovich would sack 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 immediately he would sack because of that Zagreb result right that's not what Bully's yeah, doing right that's not why that's Bully's not what Bully's doing that was, that was kind of just the excuse that he is Graham Potter will be at Chelsea for a while even if the success doesn't come immediately uh, and so it is a long-term project Todd Bully does not think the way that Roman Abramovich does yeah and I've, there's even been some people like comparing the way that Bully's kind of run the Dodgers to, to this and how I think that's the, the results, more fair the results that the Dodgers haven't you know they've had the highest payroll in the MLB for X amount of years and haven't they've only won one championship yet Dave Roberts, Dave Roberts has had his job for seven years right exactly so, so yeah I don't think that Potter will be getting sacked anytime soon no I just think Bowley should have done this in the summer so that Potter could get his targets in so that Potter could have a full preseason with the team because now Potter has to come in and do all this stuff mid-season which is just not even close to an ideal situation yeah, absolutely. But we could quickly just talk about Brighton now because they obviously have just oh, lost yeah, yeah. their manager and like the most important part of their club, in my opinion. Oh, and yeah. also, you know, the director of football went to Newcastle last year. Um, and so now Brighton, you know, who have been overperforming and have been absolutely high flying. I mean, I don't see a world in which they don't have a significant drop off because of this. Yeah, we know that Roberto De Zerbi. Uh, former Sassuolo manager, Shakhtar, etc. He um, is the top candidate, it seems, right now, uh, which I don't know. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy without a job, right? So, yes, he, he has a very attractive style of football. That's what Brighton wants, similar to Graham Potter. But I we'll see, we'll see how successful he can be because uh, attractive style of football doesn't necessarily mean success. Yeah. But back on topic, Justin. <laughs> Champions League. Yes. Uh, the other English team that got beat... Got was, battered. Yeah. Well, they got more than just beat. Was Liverpool, right? Oh, man. Uh, and, you know, we were going into this thinking, oh, you know, Napoli have just sold their two best players. Liverpool should win this game. And they looked awful. Like, they genuinely looked awful. I have, you know, one of my friends who is a Liverpool fan was telling me, that first half was the worst half of football in the entire Klopp era, which is a bit crazy. The one thing that stuck out in my mind is on, I think it was the fourth goal, when Trent is literally just standing still, just on the top of his box, just oh, watching. He's done that so many times. Him. No, no, no. But this, was, this wasn't just like he's, he has bad positioning. He like gets beat by it. He was literally just standing still watching the game as if he was sat on the couch Back in in Merseyside, here on Merseyside, watching the game. Like, I some someone I saw like a, a TikTok where someone was like playing FIFA, like had a controller, and they're like controller battery died, and yeah. that was just Trent just standing there because That's there was no funny. input on the controls. No, he's. <laughs> No, I think he's he's gotten very comfortable in that he's going to start every game, and that's that's a problem for any team. Um, I think, but regardless, it's about can Klopp turn this around, right? Because we know that they, he's just he just runs that team into the ground uh and mane i said at the beginning of the season people don't realize how big of a loss sadio mane is 
Uh, he has proven to be so far. It's also the midfield, though, because the, the the fact Tiago, yeah, missing Thiago's yeah, been tough. missing Thiago's been huge. Yeah, you know Henderson's been out as well, right? And so Fabinho, like Harvey Elliott and Carvalho, just can't. They don't work together no. in a midfield with Fabinho. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. And and so you know, there's no creativity to break down a low right. block. Right. My personal opinion is that I I think. In the long term, Liverpool will be okay. I think it's interesting. We still we haven't seen Artur yet because that was supposed to kind of be the solution to the midfield injury crisis. I don't think he's played a minute yet. It's gonna be interesting. Um, but when Thiago comes back, when Henderson comes back, like I I don't think they'll be as good as they were, obviously, because they don't have Mane and, and Nunez is gonna take. I mean, will they be in a title speed. race? Is the question. I don't I don't think so to be honest. Yeah. I, well, I, I think they might be the closest, but I think City will end up running away with it. Like I don't, I don't think it'll be a particularly close race this year, personally, because I don't see Arsenal staying at the top. Uh, that we've seen that they're fallible, um, right at that game that we were at at Old Trafford, yeah. and you know, I just don't think anybody else. I think Liverpool would have been the only team who could keep up with City with the way that Holland's playing and all that and that. And obviously, you know, you guys are invincible either. You know, the performance at Villa wasn't amazing, but at the end of the day. I don't think anyone's going to be able to keep up with City. but Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the other wild game was at the Wanda Metropolitano, Garrett. Uh, it, it, was, it was very boring. Insanity. It was very boring well. for 90 minutes. And then insanity ensued. And then insanity ensued. Well, actually, 81st minute as well, right? Well, the red like, card. That was the first red game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The red card, yeah. Uh, but... Um, but no... Right, was, I'm thinking it, of the Juve yeah, game where there was Juve. multiple reds. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. But the... the Game in the Wanda Metropolitano right. between uh, Atleti and Porto were 0-0 heading into stoppage time, and it ended 2-1, Garrett, with Hermoso in 91st, and then Uribe for Porto in the 96th and you for, on, on the penalty, and you just thought, oh, wow, they've rescued it. You see the reactions from the fans. The first goal, everyone was high. They thought, oh, Atletico finally won it. Then Porto drew and uh, leveled it up, and they thought, okay, we're going to get the draw. Let's go. We're, they were so hyped to get the away draw. And then it was that man, the s- super sub. He can only play 30 minutes, but he will score. Antoine Griezmann, 90 plus 11 over 100 minutes into the game, and he wins it. And Diego Simeone goes sprinting down the touchline to celebrate. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see if they're celebrating um, the, the lawsuit that got slapped on their desk by Barcelona, right? Because now Barcelona are claiming, hey, actually, he has played enough minutes. You guys owe us $40 million. And Atleti are like, what? What are you talking about? But, I mean, this is a huge goal. This is why they brought him back. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a very important three points for Atleti. Obviously, you know, they have kind of an easy group, but at the same time, it's also a somewhat even group. So the fact that they could get these three points against what is a, a decent Porto side, like they needed to win this game at home. Oh, so, you know, step up. Antoine Griezmann, can I say club legend at this point? Oh, I, yeah. Athletic yeah. club legend? I think yeah, he probably yeah, would I'll, be. I'll give it to you, yeah. I think he probably would be, even though he missed that pen in the Champions League final. Yeah, but, I'll give it to you. But yeah. still, anyway. I know, I think so. Huge goal. And... We'll see if they have to pay the forty million or not. But. I don't think so. I don't think they will. Yeah, but it's Barcelona. They 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 managed to to win these things somehow. Like the same thing happened when when they didn't pay the total amount when they when Barcelona bought Griezmann from Atleti and Atleti yeah. sued Barca and Barca won. So now I wouldn't be surprised if when Barca sued Atleti, Barca are going to win because you know we know how La Liga but operates. But it's it's based on the contract. I mean, it's it's pretty clearly written out that he if he plays a certain number of games. Yeah, well, oh, Barcelona are saying that he did. 
But he clearly didn't. Well, I don't know. Do we count? Does stoppage time count? Like, it's all about the fine print. Like, like uh, stoppage time or this, yeah, you know. Yeah. It'll we'll be see. interesting. It'll be interesting. It's a, definitely a huge one in, in La Liga, though. $40 million between two of the biggest clubs uh, in that league is important. Um, but speaking of big clubs, it was Bayern and Inter. And Bayern handled it, didn't they? 2-0. Um, so, I mean... To me, it's it's like Bayern don't even have to try in the Bundesliga because they've now drawn three straight matches in the Bundesliga. They're sitting third in the Bundesliga. Um, but I don't think anybody thinks that they're not going to run away with the league still. Yeah. Obviously. And they're just they just step it up in the Champions League when it actually matters. Is that is that the case? Yeah. I mean Bayern have had a lot of slip ups over the years, and guess what? They still won the league every single year without really much of a problem. So yeah, them them dro- dropping a couple wins into draws is I don't think is going to really impact them over the course of the whole season. Um, but we know that they're a force in Europe. Um, yeah. And honestly, I do. Although I, I do really like Nagelsmann, I think he has underperformed at Bayern. I think they need to have a really good year in the Champions League this year um, in order for him to kind of justify. Maybe not keeping his place, but you know, people were very, very high on Nagelsmann before he moved to Bayern, yeah. and he hasn't quite lived up to expectations, in my opinion. But I was one is, who always thought he was overrated, to be clear. Okay, well, I, I've always rated him, but this is a this is a big win in taking a step in the right direction. You know, Inter came second place narrowly in in Serie A last year, yeah. um, and the fact that they were able to on the road quite comfortably deal with them kind of shows us. That Bayern are still a level above, level I think, pretty much yeah. any team in Serie A at this point. Oh. So. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. Um, we'll, we'll see if they can do it once the knockout stages come, because that, that'll be interesting to right. see. Right. I mean, they, injuries you know, were kind of their big problem uh, last year, right? So, you know, they, they lost PSG without Lewandowski. They were playing Chupa Moting up top, and they almost That's turned, why Mane is so big, man. Mane is such a good replacement. Yeah, I know that yeah. he's not a pure striker, but he's going to score goals for you. No, I mean, that Nabri, Sané, Mane, like, good Ugh. luck to any defenders trying to mark any of them one-on-one. Good luck to anyone trying to race them. My yeah. God. Yeah, no, that's that that does not sound like... It's the uh, fastest front three back. I may have ever seen. Honestly, I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you one right now. Oh, maybe when Roma had Gervinho, Ibarbo, and Seydou Dumbia. That, that was, is... Ball knowledge that's, that. That's a streets will never... Well, that's because everyone used that front three on FIFA because they all had 95 <laughs> pace. They all had 95 pace and uh, okay. use it. But. Yeah, FIFA, okay. Um, <laughs> speaking of a, a, a league that's played like FIFA, is the MLS. Um, there were at home... Uh, oh, sorry, on Saturday, right? Last, last Saturday, the weekend games. There were 13 MLS matches... And for the first time on any game day that had 10 plus, every, no, sorry, no home team lost. No, none of those 13, 10 wins, three draws out of 13 games at home. We know that home advantage is bigger in MLS than probably any league in the world because of the travel, because you have to travel so much further in the United States than anywhere else we know you know all the european players that have come over have talked about how that is uh very impactful and people often don't realize that um but i mean to not even win one of 13 and that's never happened for a reason i'm kind of i'm kind of surprised that it's never happened though to be honest because of how big of of an advantage it is but i guess you know usually you'll you'll have one matchup per week yeah. where just the team at home is just so far 
inferior to the team that's playing right. against them that they'll end up losing anyway. But I mean, right? I mean, this has been a crazy that's MLS LAFC season Houston, and then the yeah, yeah. This has been a crazy season for just random weird. Well, not weird, but like these MLS records of like this is the first time this has ever happened. And it's we swear we get one every single week or like two per week at this point. It's, it's crazy. only it's only a twenty five year old league to be fair. Twenty six now. Okay, but still. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why. But it's it's. I agree with you. It's a bit surprising. I think, especially the one other thing is, especially considering that there's more teams in the league now than there's ever been. So the right. most goals well, stuff that makes that's, a bit more sense. But the fact that's that, the key, right? Because it's right? more than ten games on a single day. So when there were fewer teams, there weren't ten games on a single day, right? So this is right. So so yeah, that that's yeah the other yeah. Piece to so it. that there were thirteen games. Yeah. And still none of the home teams. Lost. Right. That so that makes it even more right. Like, exactly. Impressive. Exactly. No, it really is. It really is incredible. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, not Houston. Dallas is what I, I meant to say. Shouldn't have, right. sh- shouldn't have uh, won that game, probably. Um, but they also maybe not should, shouldn't have lost it. So, yeah, very, very interesting, though, all around. Um, but with that, Gary, we can move to our moment of the week. What was yours? So mine was, this is kind of a two-parter, but um, I guess I'll start. Last Friday, I went to the Everton Legends Night Um it was well, an unaffiliated event to the club, but yeah, I got the privilege of meeting Duncan Ferguson, which was incredible. But my actual moment of the week is that then a, a few days later, there was this video that came out on Twitter of, of him, even though he's not right an employee of Everton Football Club anymore, um, visiting a massive Evertonian in his hospital bed who's been, been dealing with cancer and, and their interaction was just incredible. Um, and so my moment of the week was that, but also just, you know, being able to meet Duncan Ferguson, who is not only a legend of you know, the game for Everton Football Club, but also mm-hmm. for the people of this city that we've been staying in. Just an incredible human being. Um, and some of the stories that he was telling on Friday night were just fantastic. Um, so that was my moment of the week. Duncan Ferguson, what a guy. Absolutely. We love that. Um, my moment of the week had to be in the Barcelona Cadiz game. Um, a fan in the stands had a heart attack uh, mid game. And the players stopped the game immediately. The Cadiz keeper, uh, Ledesma, sprinted across the pitch all the way to the bench, grabbed the medical kit for the emergency responders, and sprinted back across the pitch, chucked it into the stands to the, to the resp- medical responders who needed it. And we now it can now be reported that the fan is in stable condition. Um, a player saving a fan's life, stopping a game. I mean, that is what we love to see because... That football is for fun, but when there's something actually important, there are fifty thousand people in the stands. Or actually, more than that. I'm talking about. Uh, uh, Cam Nou. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he. This this is fantastic, and it obviously is reminiscent of what Kier did at the Euro 2020 to help save Ericsson's life uh, on the pitch. It is it is a shift that we're seeing in football. I think to be very aware of these yeah, things. Yeah. And it's fantastic to see. Yeah, it's it's you know there's been. Uh, you know more medical emergencies and i guess m- maybe more than we than there recent than there were before Ericsson maybe but also it's just that we're more aware of it yeah it's more Players publicized are more aware of it this is not the first time we've seen this right but it, but you're right it's great to see that that games are consistently being stopped the correct attention and the correct protocols are being consistently followed in all of these instances obviously we don't want them to to happen right, right. but the fact that players and fans and referees are responding in this way consistently is just a, is a really great thing to see. 
Yeah, absolutely, Garrett. And then you've picked our moment of the, our game of the week for next week. Which one is it? Yeah, so our game of the week, Justin, uh, seeing as you know we have Premier League fixtures this weekend, and we have managed to get Justin tickets to be in the city away end at Wolves on Saturday. Um, so that will be our game of the week. Wolves hosting Manchester City. Justin's first game in the away end. Of course, we will be vlogging it. Um, I'm very excited for you. It's going to be an amazing experience. Um, so be sure to look out for that. Watch the game. We'll be doing full analysis um, on our podcast. Actually, in two weeks' time, right? Because we won't be able to record one next week during the international right. break. Right. We'll be on holiday. Yep. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about it in two weeks' time. Um, and obviously, you can watch the vlog. We'll be out before that. But yeah, I, I'm sure you're just buzzing. Absolutely, man. I, I just can't wait. My first uh, away game. These tickets are unbelievably difficult to get, but I did manage to get it after literal months of searching uh, just a week before the game. So uh, absolutely buzzing, as you say. All right. And with that, thank you all so much for watching. Be sure to follow us on all our socials. That link is in the description. Um, we have some more match vlogs coming out soon, so stay tuned for that. But thank you all for watching.